uh, she said, uh, um, the Lutheran hour is coming on. And I told her, well, that's okay. They get most of it right. And so uh, Tom, he might argue that point a little bit. But uh, um, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, usually uh, we, we, we listen to uh, uh, 102.3, I think what it is. I'm not sure. And it has a, a favorable preacher on there every once in a while. Usually we're on our way to church and we get to hear the uh, uh, Bradley Lassier Baptist Bible Hour. And he's out of uh, Ohio, I believe, somewhere. But uh, we were running a little bit late this morning because uh, services changed. So uh, the Lutheran Hour came on. And so I'm anxious to see my dog when we get home, see how I'm received as an old Baptist. Also this morning, I'm going to rub it in a little bit, gentlemen. I was up at 5 o'clock this morning and um, made some sausage and eggs for my wife with some sweet peppers in them and some onions in them and, and took her breakfast in bed. Can you say amen? Yeah, amen. That's right. Come on, ladies. Let's hear it. Amen. And, uh, but mainly, don't, 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 don't think too good of me because in the day in which we live, uh, I do that just to make sure... I can taste and she can taste and we don't have to avoid each other. <clears throat> you know, you know, when, if everything ever settles down, maybe, uh, you know, she might not get breakfast so often in bed. But uh, I feel really bad because she goes off every morning to work. I try to have dinner once or twice a week uh, because I do get to work from home. But uh, our lives have changed, haven't they, in 2020? I mean, I'm seeing all this stuff on social media about, man, I just can't wait to get 2020 over with. And I say, what makes us think that 2021 is going to be any better? What, what makes us think that 2022 is going to be any better? And um, if I have an accurate view, biblical view of the world today, it's my thought that it's going to get nothing but worse. Because, uh, and some of you will know what I mean when I say it, the olive tree has bloomed. And uh, Israel is a nation, and uh, according to most accounts that you hear in the news, uh, in religious circles that is, the temple that will be built during the uh, tribulation period has the money, has the backing, and has the materials. And so... Um, I, I'd like for us to keep that in thought this morning. As we turn to the first epistle of John, chapter 5 and verse 4, just one verse for text this morning, uh, and the Bible says there, John, and just a little bit of background on John, my Sunday school class is saying, oh my goodness, we've been in John for a couple of months. And so we went through first John, well, we went through second and third John, which have application in first John due to the issues they were having in the house churches at that time. Uh, we went into uh, the Gospel of John, went through 13 through 17 uh, to get context for 1 John because they, they, they go together, they, they strive together. But in chapter 5 and verse 4 it says right here, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Let's bow our heads this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just uh, request a special unction from you this morning and the Holy Spirit, Lord, to uh, bring your word, Lord, in such a way, Lord, that it will change lives, Lord, and just uh, help us to think, Lord, of the different areas of our heart, the different rooms of our heart, Lord, that we have, Lord, and ensure all of them are open to you. Lord, and if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Lord, I just request, Lord, that uh, you'd burden that heart this morning, Lord, convict them, Lord, and just as the words brought out, Lord, not mine, Lord, but your words will be heard. Hide me behind the cross this morning. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, as I said in my introduction, 2020's brought a, a lot of changes. Um, and if, according to Mark chapter 24 and, and, and uh, Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13, it's probably only the beginning of sorrows. The Bible says, when you see these things come to pass, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. But the beginning of these things, and this is the beginning, this is the first year. We've never seen worldwide pestilence like we see right now. 
And our missionary brother, he said something about rabbit trails uh, back there in the back when we were talking. But uh, uh, let me run just one, brother. Um, in, um, um, this was the cause of one lab in one country. I'm working real hard to stay politically correct here. And it spread throughout the world in a matter of months. You know, there's COVID-19 today. What about COVID-20, 21, 22, 23, COVID-30? The world has completely changed in such a way that we and my generation are not going to recognize it. My generation and the generations that came before me, when we look at the numbers of those deaths that have happened just in the United States in excess of 250,000, that would have been an act of war to my generation. I mean, we lost 3,000 at Pearl Harbor. I think that's correct. 6,000 in New York. And those were reasons to go to war and fight those that had uh, done something that impacted our safety, our health, our security. And yet today, because of you will, and this is the rabbit trail, financial interest in China, that is the reason that we do nothing about this particular uh, disease that have been set upon us uh, by, by one particular nation. But what are you going to do? How are you going to overcome this? Because we all are called to overcome as we see in the text this morning. And so I'm talking to two different people this morning, those that are unbelievers and those that are believers. Mostly this morning because I knew the crowd that I would be speaking to. I'm going to be talking to believers this morning. But for unbelievers, I have something for you this morning as well. So please pay attention. For whatsoever, or uh, as I would say, everyone that is born of God overcometh the world. And, and the first verse up here in, the, in this particular chapter speaks about being born of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the one sent from God, he is God, he was man, he was sent here for one reason, and it was to take away the sins of the world to all those in particular that would accept him as the Son of God, who would accept the gospel, the good story, one of the only good stories left in our world today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they are the ones that are born of God. I'm a child of God this morning, and I hope you are too. But if not, if not, you can take care of that today. You can be one that overcomes what's going on in the world today by becoming a child of God. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about the necessity of being born again. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven without being born again. Nicodemus himself asked, as Jesus was speaking, how can a man be born when he is old? And Jesus' response there was, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was, he was lifted up on a cross for all to see. That whatsoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all know it. We don't get to see it at football games anymore. Oh, that's something else that's changed. You know, there was always that guy in the end zone holding up that sign. John 3.16. No more. What else have we seen in our churches? Out in California right now, it's, I mean, you're being fined. People are getting in trouble with the law. People all over the United States, down the East Coast and West Coast, are getting in trouble with the law simply because they want to go and worship God. Exactly what we're doing here this morning. Could you be imagined, you know, we have taken some steps and said we're, not, we're going to close our services for a while and just until we see how, this, what, how it's all going to play out, 
But be, imagine being told as an American, a nation founded on uh, religious liberty, being told that you can no longer go to church by your government. They're doing it. Now we're shielded a little bit. We're insulated a little bit from that because we don't have the liberal ideology, the progressive ideology that goes on at the East Coast and West Coast. But you know what? What usually happens out there does what? It moves in. And so that's the warning this morning. And so um, I thought about talking about Christmas this morning, but I think there's some things that are, are more needful for us this morning uh, for the simple fact that, hey, we're in new territory. We are in new territory in the United States. This is new territory for me. I'm fearful on one hand. I'm rejoicing on the other because, you know, uh, the Bible says that it's going to be real good during the tribulation period, and I've said this before, but for it to be real good during the tribulation period in those first three and a half years, what do all those years leading up to that first three and a half years have to be? Not so good. Not so good so that the, the, the man of perdition, the, the, the Antichrist can come and put himself in place and do it easily, not just as the ruler of a nation, but as the ruler of the world. Twice Jesus answered the question as to how a person is born again. By believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his death, burial, and resurrection as the only way. So those who are born of God, we overcome the world. That's, that's exactly what we're going to have to look to we're going to have to look to our Heavenly Father. We're going to have to look to uh, those things that we believe in. We're going to have to look to God's Word to be able to, in the future, to overcome what we're going to see coming on the earth. And if we don't, we're going to be like that seed that falls upon stony ground. We're just going to pass away. We're just Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to be rooted and then we're just going to go out there and follow the current culture that's running wild. Anybody here under probably 25, maybe 27 years old, does not understand what I understand. Next week, uh, I grow two years away from 60. Never thought I would be here. 60 old. <laughs> no, it ain't. But the things that have gone on in my life and those that are older than me in here this morning, the things that have gone on in our life are just as unbelievable as somebody being raised from the dead. Never, ever in my wildest dreams did I ever think we'd be brought to the point where we are today. Never. But yet we're here. And not only do we have a plan to overcome, but we are commanded in God's Word right here in the book of John, we are commanded to overcome. We're not commanded, we're not allowed to sit back in a back seat and watch these things go on and have no impact. We are called to impact the world for Jesus Christ in such a way that they can see Jesus Christ through us. And we are not to mold and mend with the culture. Culture moved into the church is not church anymore. Culture moved into church is a, is a country club. It's a place to go and, and have fellowship and have fun but never put any, any emphasis on Jesus Christ and His Word. There are three entities that work in concert against us who are born of God. Number one, the world. Number two, the flesh. And number three, Satan himself. Not a name you hear very often anymore. Why? It's got a negative connotation. Man, we want to be positive. We want to only know all the good stuff. We don't need that bad stuff anymore. How long has it been since one of you heard hell used as a noun? When somebody tells you about it and it tells you just exactly what it is. The abode of Satan. The abode of the devil. 
your destiny if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. They work in concert that, that any one or two might not be a problem. But they are an enemy to all who seek to live a godly life. And they have so impacted our culture this morning, today, in the last 10 to 15 years, that it's snowballing. It's getting bigger, and it's getting bigger to such a point that, you know, we are not going to be able to avoid it. We're going to have to apply the principles of God's Word to be able to overcome in the current culture that's going astray, that is going away from God, that is going towards Satan. <clears throat> the world has been defined by John in this epistle as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in chapter 2. Thus, effort is required to combat and overcome the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life, which are overwhelming outside the doors here. And if we're not careful, they'll be inside the doors here because it is us as born-again believers that are called by Jesus Christ, that are called by our Heavenly Father to keep it at bay and to keep it on the outside and to keep it from coming in. And then Jesus gave special promises to those who overcome the world. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. To him that overcomes, he'll be able to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I'm looking forward to that day when I can eat with God, when I can eat with my Savior, the one that left heaven and came to earth to die for me. Revelation chapter 2. And these are uh, to the churches, those first seven churches in the church age and the dispensation in which we live. That's who Jesus is talking to here. In chapter 2 and verse 17, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. Is your name written in heaven today? Everyone in here is old enough. Everybody in here knows right from wrong. If your name's not written in heaven, the noun hell should mean a lot to you because it's your home for eternity. Revelations 2.26 will have power over the nations. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. Jesus Christ is going to call my name and say, I redeemed Randy Nutt. My blood has paid for his sins. He has no more sin than account to his account. He's born again. He's a believer. He's a son of God. That's what happens when you overcome. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Born again, saved. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame, and I'm set down with my Father in His throne. Now think about that for a minute. We all want to be popular with those that we look up to in life. Don't we? When I'm in an office with my boss, I want him to, to think right about me. I want him to think good things about me. And when I go in there, 
It's a different attitude on me when I go in there than when I'm out in the office with all the other guys. I'm ripping them and telling them how they don't get nothing done and how they're government employees and they earn that, that, that right to be a government employee. But when I go in my boss's office, it's a whole different story. Man, I feel like I'm something, I'm somebody. He's sitting behind that desk, he's talking to me about whatever we're talking about, and I'm searching for those right answers. I'm searching for what he wants to hear most of the time. But you know what? To be next to the throne of Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for our sins, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, what a day that will be. And then I just, I've got to leave and go into the future a little bit into Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You want to be in God's family this morning. And if you're in God's family this morning, are you making your plan to overcome what you see coming on the world? The Bible talks about men, when they see things that are coming upon the earth, what are they going to do? They're going to cry that the mountains fall upon them. They're going to they're wish for death. It says the men's hearts will fail them because of the things that they see coming on the earth. Mine failed me last November. And I can't help. I've got, what do they call it? What's high blood pressure called? Hypertension. I've got hypertension. I've got no hypertension at home. I really don't have a whole lot of hypertension at, at work except when I travel. Where's the hypertension coming from? Well, number one, it's coming from one of the things that I've quit doing, and that's watching the news. But it's not helping. <laughs> I hear too many people talking about what's going on. Those things I fear. Why? Because I have grandchildren. I have children that even though if my heart fails me next week, they're going to be in that and they're going to be in it on their own and they're going to have to survive. And what are they looking to? Right now, it's not God's word. But what am I called to do? I'm called to tell them, hey, it's here. If you lose your grandpa, if you lose your dad, if you lose your father-in-law, here's what's coming. People at work, here's what's coming. People that I associate with maybe at a restaurant, people, it's coming. Or are we just going to sit back and, and watch the culture roll right over us? What are we going to do? Are we going to choose to be overcomers? Are we just going to choose to go along with the easiest road to take? Well, also says here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is the faith that overcomes the world. It's being in Jesus Christ. That is exactly what people are looking for today or will be looking for as things get worse and worse and wax worse and worse because this is just the beginning. When you see these things come to pass, it's just the beginning. I want to emphasize that. We ain't seen nothing yet. <clears throat> and it's coming because God has said it's coming. Now, will it come in 2021? No. I'm no Hal Lindsey. I'm not some guy out there who says he's going to come in the next five years. But you know what? They do have, we do have some insight through God's Word on how things are going to play out and what to look for. You know, the, 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 the uh, apostles and, or the disciples back in Jesus' day, they thought it was pretty close. They did. They thought, they thought they, that's, the, that's the reason they're questioning Jesus about it. In uh, Mark chapter 13, you go there and read it. They're questioning him about the end of time. And he talks about the abomination of desolation, which happens twice. One was 70 AD when Titus came in and destroyed the temple. And the next time that it happens is going to be when the Antichrist enters into the temple after the three and a half good years and destroys the temple again and defiles the temple. 
<clears throat> Those things are coming. How far off they are in the future, I don't know. But do you want to be surprised? Do you want it to sneak up on you? Or do you think you might ought to give it some thought and make a plan on how you as a believer are going to overcome? And you as an unsaved person, what do I need to do? How must, what does it take for me to be saved? And change my address for eternity. It's exactly what people are looking for today. Victory over the world. Current culture justifies these three things. The lust of the flesh, read the news. Lust of the eyes, turn on your computer. Pride of life. We're also full of pride that we are unwilling to change and do everything that we can, not just something for God, but everything we can. You know what? It's a shame we put more stake in toilet paper than we do in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the first thing to happen when things go bad? Them shells empty of toilet paper. They shut down our churches. I'm not saying we need to revolt. I'm not saying we need to be down there pounding down the doors at the state capitol or the national capitol. But I am saying we need to be prepared and we need to be telling folks. We need to let people know just exactly what's coming on the world and what's coming in the near future. So many have been trapped by the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, more so in the computer and Hollywood age in which we live than ever before in history. There are certain things that we have going on within our lifespan, within our time, that have never happened before. Never before have we been able to send a message around the world in a matter of seconds. Computers filled rooms this size when I was a kid. There was no such thing as a laptop. There was no such thing as an iPad. You had punch cards that we used to make Christmas wreaths out of. And that's the way a computer communicated. Now you can type up a message in in a second, send it, and it goes around the world and comes back in another second. Things are going on like they've never gone on before. And you need to watch. You need to be ready. Bible tells us it does, it does, it's going to come as a thief in the night. And he's talking to believers when he says that. You're going to be caught unawares. I don't want you to be that person. I want you to be an overcomer. And how do you do that? You do it through God's word. <clears throat> These roots to the common problems, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that are prevalent in our current culture for which there is no shame anymore and even so-called Christians justify in their own lives today and pass on as a heritage to their children and pass on as a heritage to their grandchildren and actually fight against God in the name of Christian liberty because the current culture, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, have so impacted the culture and the culture has impacted so much of Christianity that it's hard. We can get all kinds of arguments of what's right and wrong. I don't want to be gray. I don't want to be in the gray area. I really don't want to be in the black area. I want to be over here with God in the white area. And if I took it to too far of an extent, I'm going to let God tell me that. No human being, no politician, no nobody. God's going to say, Randy, you could have been a little bit looser in that area of your life. But it's God's right to tell me that and nobody else's. There are so many lures in the world that ensnare a person and hold them in bondage. Pornography, drugs, sex, abortion, alcoholism, all cloaked in the name and freedoms and rights bestowed on us at birth But they are actually not rights. They are the chains that bind a person. My goodness. 
Why would alcohol be good if there's such a word as alcoholism? If gambling's not a bad thing, why can right inside a place where you go to, to do that, right down in Riverwind, they offer you help just in case you have a problem with gambling? Right there, you can get help right there, right next door to the slot machine. There'll be a little sign here. If you have a problem with gambling, call this number right here. If you look down in the fine print when Riverwind puts its, its, its uh, advertisement on the television, you'll see it down there in the small print. If it's all right, I mean, if no one's going to notice, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make a habit out of it. If it's so vanilla as far as God's concerned, then why does it have a negative effect on so many people? Reason these things out. Reason these things out in your own mind. One of the prophecies concerning the Messiah was that he would proclaim liberty to the captives and he would uh, open the prison doors to those who are bound, but only through his son. We have liberty here in the United States. And quite honestly, I think it's been taken advantage of by Satan. And even pushed into our churches. Pushed on believers. But the true liberty comes in being released from the chains of sin, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life in John chapter 2 and verse 16. But you have to plan for it. You have to pattern your life in such a way that you don't fall into the bondage of these chains. And the answer is not outside those doors. It's not necessarily right here from this guy either. It's found right here in God's Word. <clears throat> these are the good tidings he came to proclaim. There is a freedom for you and for me from bondage of sin. But you must repent. And it is hard. It is very hard. And, well, if, if all this stuff about God's all cool and neat and really you're getting up there and getting excited about it and you're turning red in the face and your ears are turning red because you're so excited about it, you're, you're so motivated to, to raise your voice and tell us about it, why has it got to be so hard? Why has it got to be so tough? Well, because that repentant part's the hard part. Why? Pride of life. We're too proud to acknowledge, God, you're speaking, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me in my life. You spoke to me through that preacher. You spoke to me through that word. But man, I just like this too much. And everybody out there outside those doors is going to look down on me. They're going to think I'm weird because I want to put these things in place in my character qualities that I have in my own heart. And they're just, just I'm not going to be accepted. We have such a great fear of that because pride is driving us to want to be accepted by the world. There is comfort in the majority. I'll agree with you. That, how many times have I had to confess because I went along with the majority and maybe had fun at somebody else's expense that later on when I thought about it, man, that wasn't the right thing to do. What am I forced to do? I've got to go ask for forgiveness. I don't apologize. I think apologies, um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I never apologize. I never say I'm sorry. The correct response for somebody who has to go, that has offended somebody, is will you forgive me? You won't see anywhere in God's word where somebody went up and said, I'm sorry, and it took care of the situation. But when you ask for forgiveness, what does that, what does that, what does that cause? It causes for a reaction from that person that you've offended. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. You go and you ask him to forgive you. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did it wrong. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm just sorry. Yeah, he knows you're sorry. You're cloaked in sin. But when you go and you ask for forgiveness, that's when you get the new robe. That's when you're clothed in white. 
Repentance, boy, it's hard. It's real hard. You know, I was born again when I was seven years old, and I'm not going to go through my testimony. I've done it too many times before. But repentance wasn't really hard for me. But a person that's lived their life in sin, that becomes a little bit tougher. How do you repent from defiling the temple with smoking cigarettes? Mm. Those things get a little bit tough. And I understand that. And it takes time. It takes time in God's Word. It takes time hiding God's Word in your heart to overcome those things. But in Luke chapter 16 and verse 14, go ahead and turn over there if you would. I'm going to skip down through it, but I want you to see this verse. I want you to pay special attention to verse 15. In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, And the Pharisees also who were covetous. That word covetous, you think that's a pretty good word that describes Americans today? Don't we want everything? Really, don't we? We do. We want, we, we want the latest and greatest. We want the new. I went and got me a new iPhone a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, didn't think about it, but I've got a wonderful wife, and she said, well, you need a new phone. <laughs> Go get a new iPhone then. You know, once I had the green light, everything was gravy after that. And so, <clears throat> covetous, and that's these Pharisees. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard these things that Jesus was talking about. And what was he talking about here in the context is, is you can't serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other or love that one and hate the other guy. You can't serve two masters because they are not going to be equal. And they derided him. They made fun of him because he wasn't normal, because he wasn't part of the current culture of the pharisaical world. And so, hey, (laughs) you just back off, brother. We don't need you talking to us about that. They derided him, made fun of him. And he said unto them, and that was their first mistake, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Take this in the whole context of what we've been talking about and the current culture. What does he say again? Ye are they which testify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. And that which is highly esteemed among men is what? Abomination. Those things which are highly esteemed in the current culture, the the newest things that we want to do, the newest things that come out, they ain't anything to God. They mean nothing to Him. In fact, to call them an abomination, it's something that you better be careful, you better stay away from because it's going to impact your life and it's not going to be in a positive way. And the worst thing is, is it's going to impact your, your koinonia, which is fellowship with the Heavenly Father. That's where the break happens. And that's when we start worrying, you know, man, I don't don't know about all this stuff. It brings doubt. Because it's, it's esteemed among men. It's thought of to be cool among men. But it is an abomination in the sight of God. Then beginning in verse 19... A story here, rich man and his rich brothers and Lazarus. Lazarus, he's the poor beggar that's at the, at the table, knelt down. Oh, man, please drop some food on the floor. I'm starving. I need something to eat. Please drop something. Drop something and I'll fight the dog over it. Please give me something to eat. That's the scene here. And so what happens is, is this rich, the rich man, he dies. And the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes, and he was in that noun. He was in hell. And what did he ask for from Moses? What did he ask for? And folks, I don't believe this is a parable. Because his name's left out. And he's appealing to Moses. Happened in the Old Testament. What did he ask? Send back Lazarus. That he go back and talk to my brothers, my other rich brothers, so that they can avoid this noun, hell, and not come here and be here. And what was Abraham's response? 
says if they won't hear the prophets, they won't hear the prophets. They're never going to believe somebody that came back from the dead. Think about that. Imagine the impact on your life. You're sitting here at a funeral. You're right down here on the front row. You're sitting here. You're watching that casket, and all of a sudden that casket starts moving, and the dude in it raises up. Be the first one, you know. Might have to go home and change. But it's going to be a big event in your life, isn't it? You're going to see something that nobody else has ever seen before that's alive today. You are a witness to it. That would not impact you enough to change your mind, to repent. It is something that you do between you. God reveals those things that you need to repent from, those things that are outlined in his word. And it's between you and him. If you can't work it out with him, then you have an issue. But if you can come to that point of repentance where you take all that stuff out of your life that God does not want there, not what Randy don't want there, not that what Pastor Eric don't want there, those things that the God doesn't want there, that he's revealed to you through the Holy Spirit, that he's revealed to you through his word, when you get there, that's where confidence comes from. That's where confidence comes from that says, man, I can overcome. I can do this. I'm not going to fear what man can do to me. I'm going to fear the one that can send me to hell. And that ain't Satan, folks. There's only one person sends you to hell, one entity that can send you to hell. And that's God himself for not accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it says, and I'm getting close to the end, only five pages left. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Even our faith. Matthew tells us that two blind men that followed Jesus, and when he came into the house, they came to him, and they asked, they asked him, uh, you know, heal us, we're blind, we want to see again. And Jesus asked him a question. He said, Do you believe I'm able to do this? And their simple response was one word, yeah, we, Yes. Jesus answered them, then according to your faith, it be done unto you. To the centurion, Jesus said, as you have believed, be it done unto you. The woman from, oh my, doesn't matter how much I practice these words. Syrophoenicia, Jesus said, O woman, great is thy faith. Being unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was healed from being vexed with demons. The woman who touched the hem of his garment, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. So what is faith? It is believing God is able. Yes. But I think it goes one step further and believes that God will do it now. That moment that you step down with a little bit of faith that you had, from the conviction that you had, from the word that you had, from the spirit that had intervened in your life, at that point, right now, when you asked Jesus Christ into your heart, when you knew the gospel and you repented of your sins, faith does it right now. God does it right now. It's instantaneous. It's not a work in progress. In John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, we read, For the purpose the Son of God was manifested, He was made apparent, He was made alive, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Paul said, that the old man that was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin should no longer reign over you. Once you repent of those things, if you repented of those things, you turned exactly 180 degrees out and went the other way, that it would have no more reign over you. It means you made a decision. That means you had it in your because of Jesus Christ. You had the gumption in your heart to make that 
repentance stick and not go back to the vomit as the dogs do. The victory in Jesus is imparted not to just one believer, but it's imparted to all believers. But faith without works is what? What do I mean by works? Well, let's just try one. Getting into his word and staying right here. Don't don't take anything I've said as gospel truth. Don't take anything that any man says as gospel truth. You go right here. You find context and you see how God wants you to act, how he wants you to live, and what he wants you to change in your life. Right here. Nowhere else. Because I don't care what liberal a church you go to, a mega church, or how conservative you go to, and those guys that are pharisaical. God's not at either one of them. He's right here. And if this is in the middle, or if it leans to the left, or if it leans to the right, then that's where God is. But you can find it right here. Cover to cover. His strength is made per- perfect in our weakness. And believe me, every time I listen to me on one of these Facebook deals, I think, how stupid does that guy sound? He's so hicky. We, we've got a hillbilly with us here this morning. Amen? Amen. That's right. We've got a hillbilly from Tennessee here this morning. And he ain't nothing in comparison to this guy right here. <laughs> Shouldn't amen that, brother. I'm talking about the way I sound. I do. I, say, I know I sound ignorant. I really do. I've termed to live with it. But you know what? It doesn't matter how we talk. It's the passion. It's the, it's the fire that burns inside to want to serve Jesus Christ and stay in his word. <clears throat> Who is he that overcomes the world? It's he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I am convinced that God wants us to live an overcoming life of victory even as the world waxes worse and worse. He has provided all the resources necessary to live a life of victory. Writing to Romans, Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword... As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Talking about believers, talking about Christians. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. No matter what comes, how bad you're hurt, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. To the Corinthians he wrote, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in note in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, note in Romans, our victory is through him that loves us today and loved us on the cross. <clears throat> Back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, John says, And I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I have written unto you, young men, because you're strong. And here's the main point right here. And the word of God is read by you in the morning for ten minutes. No. It says the word of God does what? It abideth in you. It's part of your life. It's like eating. It's like bathing for some of you. It's like brushing your teeth for some of you. It's something that just happens. It comes out. Why? Because you're so much time in God's Word. John assures us that the powers to overcome comes from the fact that the Word of God was abiding in them, that it was part of their life. And it's through the Word of God that our faith grows. It is through the Word that we get to know God And the more we know him, the greater our faith and trust is in him. The men who have known God well, and I hear 
uh, Jake come back, and I've heard other guys coming back, coming back from, from Bible schools, from seminaries, whatever you want to call them. And they speak about these men. One's uh, Brother Gitch that we're, the book we're doing right now is a, a uh, professor at the college uh, there at West Coast. And uh, I've heard uh, Brother Jake and Brother Blake both. But, man, that guy's, he's, of all those at my school, he's the best one. He's the one overall, I think is the word you use, that he's, he's the one I want to listen to. He's the one that I want to hear. Personally, one of the greatest Bible teachers that I've ever listened to is Faith Bible Institute. I can sit down and I can sit with that guy and I can just listen to every word he has to say. Trying to keep up and keep my notes in the book. But he's a great speaker. All these great men are great men. Why? Because they put that first. They put God's word first in his life. That God's word abideth in them. It's part of their life. Who is he that overcometh the world? Verse 5, and I'm done. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And if that verse ends in a question. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And the resounding answer to that question this morning is yes. Yes. But do you believe in him? And if so, are you confident enough in him to rely solely on the word to live your life and be an overcomer in the times to come? Because if not, things are going to get really rough. 2020 is nothing. Is nothing. It's not near 